Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and you're listening to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to another edition of the Powercat Postgame Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Kansas State loses Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, 34-27 to the Texas Longhorns in a very kind of odd game the way it played out, but we'll get into all that. I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com, and joining me on the show, of course, is our football analyst, Mr. Brian Hanley, an offensive lineman on the 97 and 98 K-State teams, and we will take you through this game, what we think of it, what went wrong, what went right, and what this means for Kansas State. We're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf, Caddy with two Ts. Visit CaddyshackGolf.com for all of your officially licensed golfing willy apparel, accessories, and more. Use code GPC for free shipping on your next order. Brian Hanley, Brian Hanley, Brian Hanley. Do you think it was in K-State's game plan to get down 31 to 10 at halftime? Oh, boy, that is as miserable as a first half as I remember in a while for K-State football. Yeah, that, that wasn't good at all. And it wasn't – I don't think it was because of a lack of effort. It was just a lack of execution, and Texas played really, really well. Um, but yeah, it, it was bad. It was bad. They smacked us direct. I don't know if they smacked us. They punched us in the mouth and it hurt, man. That was ugly football. Yeah, it really was. They, Texas was relentless. Texas looked a little bit like what K-State did against Oklahoma State the week before getting up 35 nothing. Adrian Martinez gets the start. Let's start with that. He, he gets the start for Kansas State. I assumed he would start. I know a lot of people were thinking Will Howard would play based on how he'd played the week before, but Adrian Martinez is the starting quarterback. He has been, and he got injured, and he had been playing decently well, and he went to the sideline, um, and I assumed he would come back as the starter, and that's exactly what happened. How do you feel about the decision with the quarterback, and do you think it had much impact on this game? Um, I mean, it, it... I was on record wanting to go the other route just yeah. because of the hot hand. Uh, I, I'm going to stand by that. I, I still believe that that was the best, but the coaches know their guys best. Um, that doesn't always mean they make the right decision, but I, I, I mean, Adrian didn't play bad. Uh, there were times where, you know, he held on to the football some, and I know what a lot of people said is that, well, he escaped and I go, but part of that was he was holding the football too long. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I get that he was getting out of the trouble, 
but he got himself into the trouble. Having said that, you know, I, I, the decision, it was the decision. I think part of it was play calling in the first half that got us into this. If I see another third and four or five and we run a quarterback power sweep, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I literally don't know what I'm going to do. It, it's just absolutely mind boggling because the week before we did not do that. And that is my problem. And that was my problem from the beginning. If you're going to change the game plan, then I don't like it. If you have to change the game plan to play Adrian Martinez, I do not like it. And they changed the game plan. Um, and we got down in a deficit, even though we were right there. I don't, I, I don't know. I just, the decision, I, I'm not going to be too critical because again, he didn't play horrible. I, I thought he played great actually, to be honest with you. Yeah. He did, but um, I, I think it had something to do with the play calling. I, I believe that aspect of it was bad, but for the most part, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, this game clearly wasn't the offense's issue. Clearly. Yep. I, I agree. Will Howard last week for reference folks was 21 of 37 for 296 yards. Now these are the key numbers though. He had zero interceptions and four TDs. And interestingly enough, his long completion was 41 yards a week ago in that 45 to nothing route of Oklahoma State. Adrian Martinez gets this start. Okay. Howard threw the ball 37 times, completed 21. Adrian threw the ball 36 times and completed 24. So he's actually had a higher percentage rate. He did have the interception before halftime, which turned out to be substantial because they lost by seven. And Texas converted that interception into points. Uh, 329 yards, so he threw for more yards, only had two TDs, and a long completion of 62 yards. The numbers are pretty similar with the biggest exception being Will Howard was throwing into the end zone for touchdowns. And you know what? I got to admit it. You're right. When K-State was in similar situations with Will Howard, they would throw it for six. Colin Klein was attempting to run it for six, and it didn't work as well. And it didn't work against a very effective Texas rush defense. And honestly, the Texas defensive line was winning that battle. Unlike yeah. the week before when the K-State offensive line was so good against Oklahoma State, the Texas line was winning. And so when you line up in quarterback power, even a guy like me sitting in the press box way above the field looks at your formation and goes, quarterback power. Yeah, so you know yep. they know what's coming. And if they're already winning the line of scrimmage, it's going to be a hard play to execute effectively because they're loaded up to take it away. And you know what? They took it away. Yeah. Yeah. It just, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it was just uh, kind of maddening to watch. And this is kind of my problem here. Don't sit there and tell us that you call the same game for the two quarterbacks when it's obvious to everyone you're not calling the same game for the two yeah, quarterbacks. No. You are no. using them differently, and I I don't disagree with doing that. That's not the principle here. Don't claim that you are when you aren't because Will Howard's clearly the more effective thrower and Adrian's the more effective runner. And so that's what you decided to do here, and – um, it didn't work as well. Adrian's ability to run wasn't as effective, I believe, as Will Howard's ability to throw. Now, with all that said, that's not why K-State lost this game. Maybe it played no. a role, but boy, when your defense buckles, when your defense has been so good all year, gives up that kind of yardage, those kind of points, they gave up 200-plus yards to, to Dijon Robinson. What, you can't 
You can't win football games giving up 209 yards on 30 carries. He averaged seven yards yeah. a carry. Roshan Johnson, his backup, who had a big fumble in the game, came in and carried the ball seven times for 63 yards for 8.9 yards. Every time they handed the ball off to one of their running backs, the dude was going for seven or nine yards on average. What? I, that's how you lose a football game, not who you start at quarterback. It was just yeah. kind of a, a very average performance by Kansas State on a day when their opponent was anything but average. I'm telling you, when Texas is that good, they're going to beat everyone they play. And they almost did it earlier in the year to Alabama, but they weren't quite good enough without Quinn Ewers when he went out. But with Quinn Ewers playing that well, their quarterback throwing that effectively, man, they're they're going to be tough for anyone, including TCU next weekend and uh, down in Austin. Yeah, I mean, and you think about it, and and just let's just all be honest as K State fans, Texas put it in the tank in the second half. Yep, they went super conservative. I mean, because if they kept putting their foot down on the pedal they might have gotten 60. I mean, it was that bad. I know that sounds crazy to say, but it was that bad. It was awful. I mean, we are a good defensive football team, and we looked like we were a JV, a high school JV football team trying to stop them running the football. Now, you knew you were going to give up some yards because the guy is going to play on Sundays for a long time, as long as he's healthy. He is. He's that good. Yeah, he's big time. But – Guys got to get in there and hit and tackle and mix it up. And we didn't do that. We just didn't. We didn't act like we wanted any part of him, which is frustrating. And, yes, their offensive line played well. I'm not saying that they didn't. But they pushed us around. But we also had guys that were there to make tackles. And he was jumping out of tackles, stepping out of tackles. I'm like – Please wrap up. Do something. And we didn't do that. We just literally didn't do that. Uh, I mean, you can't win football games when two of their running backs are averaging over seven yards of carry. I don't care what you do. And like I said, look, I, I, I'm not trying to be Mr. Negative, but I'm, I am going to be Mr. Obvious and Mr. Honest. They could have put up 55 points on us in the second half. They just literally they stopped pushing the ball down the field. Because if they would have wanted to, they could have. It was yeah. terrible. They really terrible could've. effort. They really could have. It was very frustrating to see. But let's roll back to the first possession of the game when Julius Brantz is called for targeting and it's given oh. a personal foul and ejected. Um, I Look, by the spirit of the rule, that was targeting. Um, you know, it was a defenseless receiver, which I think uh, – I, I have a real problem with the defenseless receiver argument. I, 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 you chose to run the pattern. You chose to run a guy across the middle. I mean, if it's so dangerous, don't do it. Um, so my problem isn't with the call as much as the rule. And he wasn't defenseless until he dropped the ball a split second before Julius Brents arrived. And it's not like he could pull up out of it. He didn't lead with his helmet. He led with his shoulder. The guy kind of ducked down. There were so many flaws in the rule on display on that play. And I'm not arguing against his ejection because by the rule, he should be. My problem is with the rule. How much did that impact, though, K-State kind of backing off the hits after seeing what, you know, it's kind of a traditional football hit, get a guy ejected. Yeah, I mean, it. my problem, again, I'm with you. My problem is with the rule, not arguing against how they are interpreting it. I, I just, my problem is with the actual rule. And as going down the line of you said they chose to run the route, 
I'll take it even a step further, Fitz. You chose to play football. Right. And football, you're going to get hit. I, I, I mean, it, it's just, it's football. You're taking a risk. It is what it is. Do we want to make it as safe as possible? Yes, but that's not the way. And you're right. Kids see that and they back off. They just do. They want to play in the football game. But you see one of your biggest hitters get called for a play. And again, it's like you said, he ducked his head a little. I mean, Josh Brents is tall. The guy, I mean, you know, it just, and again, it was in a split second. He led with his shoulder. I mean, it's football. At some point, they've got to change this rule. There's a reason that they don't kick guys out in the NFL. There's, there's a reason for that. Because they know that the guy, you can't just stop. People would be losing their minds in the NFL if they did that. Well, people need to start losing their minds in college football because ejecting kids for not being able to stop a split second before you're supposed to tackle somebody. And you also, in that same split second, you have to lower, you know, your strike point, regardless of what's going on. I mean, it's, I don't know. I I could sit here and talk about it forever. It gets on my nerves. It's taking away from what actual football is. I don't know. I grew up. The, the thing that you heard from the time I started playing football to the time I stopped playing football was keep your head on a swivel. Why? Because you could get hit at any part uh, at, at any time. I, I don't even think they talk about that anymore because that's not the case. You're not going to get hit like that anymore. And they're just taking away. I mean, they basically take away that part of football. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I I'm, I'm with you. And as we discussed it, in the press box, I think they're going to have to layer in some form of intent. If you're, yes. if you're ducking your helmet, clearly trying to strike with um, an ability to injure a player, I get the ejection. But when it's a football play that requires a split second of altering your direction, and you know, even if you're leading with your shoulder, you're still getting called for a penalty. I don't see the intent to injure. I see the intent to play damn football. Um, yes. And I'm sorry that they've they've done this to the game of the game I love so much. And I know they are worried about safety, and there's ways to do that. This ain't it. This, nope. Then, then just start playing flag or tag. I don't care, but um, football is a violent sport. It's going to be a violent sport. Maybe the equipment needs to catch up. And, yeah, we need to take the crown and the helmet out of the game. It's going to, as we've discussed before, it's going to take another you know, 10, 15 years for this young generation that's being taught from the ground up to do it this way, probably to get that out of the game. But, boy, um, I, I'm reminded of a Clint Eastwood quote in a, in a great Western, um, you're going to shoot an unarmed man. Well, you better arm yourself. I mean, you yeah. know, I, if you're going to come across the middle, you better get ready to get popped. Correct. I mean, that's football. So, yeah, I thought it took some wind out of K-State and also getting your, you know, all Big 12 corner removed on the first drive of the game for kind of an iffy rule, uh, I think is an unfortunate unfortunate thing that happened to K-State. Again, yep. Not the reason they lost, but all of this kind of added up on K-State. But I'll be honest here, Brian, I think the biggest thing that K-State suffered from in this game 
was they got whooped at the point of attack by an offensive line from Texas that starts two true freshmen and two sophomores. These yep. dudes are going to be an issue for the rest of this conference, literally as long as Texas is in the conference. They got two more years, and these guys are going to be blocking for running backs for two more years. They are good. Yeah. Yeah, they they came off and they whipped us up front. They did. Those guys were playing football, um, and I loved it. To be honest with you, I did because I there agree. were times they were showing the replay, and you're seeing these guys pull around, sealing people off, pushing people around. I'm like, that's how offensive line plays, and these guys are super young, super young. I'm just like, man, boy, they are going to be a problem. Uh, I was thinking, I wasn't thinking for the rest of the conference. I was thinking tonight. I'm like, boy, they're going to be a problem because this was early on. I'm like, if we're not going to make any adjustments or do anything, and then we and we didn't, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a problem. And man, that offensive line, they they just bullied us up front. They bullied our our, our front seven, front six, whatever you want to call it. Um, they got after us, and there. But be honest, there wasn't a whole lot that we could do about it. No, it was a physical mismatch. It really was. And, and yeah. as much as I love some of the guys on the Kansas State defense, Brennan Mott. Austin Moore, we're just physically outmatched in this game. You can be in the yep. right spot, but they were getting knocked out of that spot uh, by really physical football players. I, I thought the talent gap became really obvious, but Casey didn't give up, did they? It was really impressive to watch. Yep. After halftime, 31-10, they're down, and they come back, and they just start plucking away and getting back into this game. They made some adjustments on defense. They were more effective in the second half. Um, I, I was encouraged by it. And like like I've said, K-State played a very average game. In fact, I think in my final grades, I gave them a C-minus overall based on my keys to victory. And yet there they were with the ball in the fourth quarter with an opportunity to tie the game or even win if they'd gone for two. I take away from this a positive that K-State can be outmanned, outgunned, outplayed, and yet they still maneuvered their way back into the game. Uh, and I find encouragement in that because I think this this coaching staff is going to be upgrading that talent. We're going to see that talent continue to rise. And maybe they'll get in a position where um, they're not so outgunned at the point of attack. Yeah. And I mean, because I believe they'll do that, too. Because I think they know where their deficiencies are and and what we have to do if we're going to compete on the highest level. I think the coaches know that, uh, which is a good thing. And going and being able to, to go get it is is an even better thing. And I think they're going to be capable of doing that. And you're right. To see them fight back, because again, I thought the game was over at halftime. I'm like, gee, many Christmas. I mean, this is ugly. Part of it was Texas. I'm going to be honest. Part of it was Texas allowing us to do it. But part of it was, or I would say the majority of it, was us not giving up and just to keep fighting. Keep fighting until the game is over. I love to see that about our guys. Again, it, it, it's just what you said. It was a physical mismatch, and it was. They they just they had physically better players or physical better players, you know. But at the same time, the guys fought. And that's all you can ask is for them to fight, whether, you know, one play went bad, they went to the next play, you know, a lot of pre-snap stuff, which was driving me insane, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, it wasn't a good game played by us. Kind of what you mentioned. Um, I would venture to say it was a bad game. We, we played bad uh, and Texas played good, you know, and I think Texas had a lot to do with us playing bad too. Having said that, 
you know, all you can do is give your just say, you know what? If I got an opportunity at the end of the game to to try to go win it, I would take it. I think I would take that every week. We got the ball with 250 left in the fourth quarter to go either tie or go win the game. I'm not sure I don't take that every week. Yep. You know, <laughs> so you can't ask for much more than that, you know, and the guys did their best. We're going to have to do way better as far as clock management because that kind of gets a little disheartening. But at the same time, you know, the guys fought. They fought. Yeah, look, well, I'll get into that, the clock management portion of this equation in a second. But there's some really uh, baffling stats in terms of if you watch the game, you may not realize that K-State actually – Matched Texas's offense throughout this for yardage, not points. They finished off one more drive with the touchdown than K-State did. K-State had 468 yards of offense on 71 plays. Texas had 466 on 71 plays. I I didn't have any clue that they were that closely matched during the course of the game because it felt like Texas was just marching all over K-State. K-State had 25 first downs. Texas had 22. K-State had the ball 32 minutes and 33 seconds. Texas had 27-27. It's, it's unbelievable how at the end of the game, the offenses were evenly matched. But my point is this shows how effective a running game is. It's yep. more than the yards. It is the very physical beating of your opponent at the point of attack that's demoralizing, deflating, and in this case, defeating. You've got to be able to stop the running game, and they couldn't. They just couldn't stop it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll go ahead. God, oh, you go ahead. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm like, how, it, it, football's a fascinating sport to me. I mean, it just, that's what I love about it. There's, there's other sports can have be more simplistic, but football, when you look at the stats here this week and last week, there's not much difference between these offensive stats, but the fine line between having a tremendous day of success and a day where you lost and didn't play well for Kansas state was so, so thin. That line was so narrow. Um, and, and honestly, the opponent was better Texas, even though they just lost Oklahoma State, was so much better in Manhattan than Oklahoma State. It's just, it's an it's an amazing sport to me. Yeah, I just, it, it goes back to, I mean, there's all these fancy formations and they throw it around a lot and they do all these different things. But football, when it comes down to it, you can either run it and you got to be able to stop somebody from running it. it it's just as yep. simple as that. That is never going to change in football. It's just not. So, and it's just what you said. It's not about the yards. It's about how you get the yards, you know? Yep. And we just could not stop them from running the football. And it was just, it was crazy to me that we couldn't stop it. I, I don't know. I mean, they're really good when they're playing really good. I mean, they're tough to stop. I mean, it was just that's just the the fact of the matter. It, it just is. But, you know, we were there. We were there at yep. the end. But, you know, it, it was a little demoralizing again. I mean, I know Robinson is really good, and he is. He's really good. But there's no excuse for, for giving up that kind of yardage uh, against Texas. Just no excuse for that. Yeah, I, I mean, they just used that running game like a hammer, pounded away, left K-State needing to throw the ball and putting Adrian Martinez in throwing situations, which we know isn't the ideal formula for Adrian Martinez to be successful. And then at the end of the day, he made a mistake at the end of both halves. 
simply put. That doesn't yep. mean he's the reason they lost, but at the point of the, the game being decided, he throws an interception. His first really badly thrown ball at K-State, his first interception as K-State's quarterback, leads to seven points. Well, there's the game right there. And then, of course, he fumbles, uh, trying to make a play at the end. And uh, the sack, the the pocket kind of collapsed around him, and he was sacked with a strip fumble, and uh, so be it. I mean... But you just go back and look and you find so many things to be frustrated about and in a weird way to be encouraged about. And one of the things that was the biggest frustration was time management. And we're going to discuss that right after I manage our time by taking a break on the Powercat postgame podcast. We're reviewing Kansas State's loss to Texas on Saturday night at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. The Cats lose 34-27. to And we'll continue to discuss right after this. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, the leaders in K-State sports coverage. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudike Uzama. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Review Podcast sponsored by Caddyshack Golf for K-Staters by K-Staters jackets, hats, polos, t-shirts, and golf accessories. Caddyshack Golf wear. Caddy with two T's. Visit caddyshackgolf.com. Make sure you use the code GPC for free shipping on your order. As Brian Hanley and myself, Tim Fitzgerald, discuss Kansas State's 34-27 to loss to the Texas Longhorns on Saturday night at the Bill, right down the road from me. And uh, a game in which the crowd was heavily involved. The crowd didn't get uh, too negative with the team's performance because there were some, honest, let's be honest, there were some things to boo there, but they kind of stuck by their team. They didn't like some of the calls um, out there. But one thing that really frustrated the fans was Kansas State's last scoring possession in the fourth quarter. They ended up kicking a field goal. And, Brian, they squandered so much honking time. I want to say another word, but I'm going to go with honking. Honking <laughs> time on that drive, trying to get plays in, trying to get personnel set. And I understand what happened. I mean, they had two receivers that ended up on the sideline. So they now have two young guys out on the field who aren't as familiar with stuff. Uh, that goes back to coaching and preparation, if you ask me. They weren't quite ready to be out there. Um, but um, they just kind of look like uh, chickens with their heads cut off there at one point, trying to get set and get a play snapped. Use your timeout. I know you're trying to save yeah. them for Texas, but don't try to save them by assuming your own failure. You know what I mean? You assumed yep. you were not going to – you're going to need to stop them without uh, – and use the timeouts. Uh, just use it. Make sure you get your points. And I feel like if they had stopped, collected themselves, gone to the sideline, said, okay – Let's let's think this over. This is what we're going to do. We're going to call these two plays. I feel like they would have gotten in the end zone, and then it becomes a three-point game, and I think Texas responds completely differently. I mean, the the time management kind of goes without saying. I mean, the one thing that stood out to me, uh, obviously the the drive that, you know, the the drive before last was awful. 
I mean, let's just call it what it was. It was just awful. And I get it, you know, new guys on the field, but that's not an excuse. I mean, it's just not an excuse. If they're not ready to play, then you got to put some people in there that are. The last drive to me was worse because we started, it was 253 left in the game. And we, we had the ball with two timeouts. We get to the Texas 43 and there's 36 seconds left. And we still have the two timeouts. I'm like, what is going on here? Yep. Like, how? I, I just, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we've got to be able to either push the ball down the field, throw throw outs, get out of bounds, or just continue to get first down, spike the ball, something. But it's got to get better. When we need to be in hurry-up mode, we got to be in hurry-up mode and not beat around the bush with this thing because just too much time was being lost. And then to not use timeouts, I'm like, that's, I mean, I don't that, that kind of is inexcusable. It literally is. I mean, there's no reason that we should have, you go from 256 or whatever to, yeah, I, I think that's what it was down to 36 seconds and you still have a timeout. So you're only at your opponent's 43. I mean, that's terrible. So we got to get better at that. Um, again, I don't know that that's Adrian's strength, but that's coaching. I mean, I have no ifs, ands, or buts about saying that. Look, I played for Bill Snyder. I know what it's like to be in a two-minute offense. I understand how you have to prep for that. We did it every single day, every single day without question, whether it's at the beginning of practice or at the end of practice, we did it every day. And that's something that you just have to do. And we did it. It's not like we did it for an hour. You don't have to do it for an hour, but you have to do it. And that way, when things come up, you know what you're doing. Guys know what they're doing. So it's, we got to get better at that. We just have to be better. And I feel like we saw Colin Klein face something that he hadn't yet faced as an offensive coordinator, as a play caller. He hadn't really been in a two-minute offense situation, if, if I'm remembering the season correctly when you're behind and you need this one last score and you need to do a couple things here and I I, I just feel like I don't want to say he panicked because I don't know what it was like in the booth that there was some lack of clarity in what he wanted to accomplish um, or a lack of clarity between what he was wanting and what the players were hearing him want because it did break down. It looked like they weren't in that situation enough in practice They that maybe the plays weren't getting down as quickly as they needed. Maybe they weren't getting communicated as quickly or clearly as needed, but boy, it was painful to watch because it looked like a bad football team. And this isn't a bad football team, but in that Correct. situation, they look shoddy. And I think that really offended K Staters because they're not used to their football team looking shoddy in any way. Yeah, I think that's what got people fired up is, what are we doing? We looked like we didn't know what we were doing. And that's just not Kansas State football. It's just not. Um, we, we have to be better at that. Uh, I don't want to say a whole lot because I could sit here and talk for an hour about that. Uh, but the bottom line is, you have to. it looked like they hadn't been in that situation and if you haven't been in that situation, that means what I'm talking about is like they haven't practiced it. And that to me is what's disheartening yeah. because you got you got to know what you're doing in those situations. You can't be looking over to the sideline, you know, constantly looking for this play and that play. Look, you drill it. You know what you're doing and you just go and you just go. And that's not what happened. 
TCU continues to lead this conference at 6-0 and overall. Oh, excuse me, 6-0 and in the conference, 9-0 and overall. I think they're uh, five in a row with injured quarterbacks, which is a whole other topic. The Texas Longhorns, the Baylor Bears, and the Kansas State Wildcats are all 4-2 and now, making this next week's game. Next Saturday, the Cats go to Baylor. They go to Waco to take on a team that just a couple weeks ago was at 2-2 two and two in the conference and facing road games, man, at Texas Tech and at Oklahoma, woe is the Baylor Bears, and they just won both games. They went out yep. and won. Texas Tech is tough in Lubbock, and they made it look as easy. They went into Norman and took out Oklahoma. Um, uh, of course, Kansas State's going to run into Baylor when they're at full strength and, and clicking. Uh, that's just how it's always been, the history between these programs. K-State can still get themselves to Arlington. They're going to need a little help. Um, they need help themselves by beating Baylor, but someone needs to beat Texas because Texas has naturally the tiebreaker on K-State since they won the head-to-head. I, I can sit here and say this is the scenario that gets K-State to Arlington, but, Brian, all that really matters is K-State's got to go win their last three games. I, I mean yeah. – uh, you can worry about everything you want, but they missed their big opportunity. They had a golden opportunity to really put a stranglehold on, on the race um, by winning against Texas and Baylor. It's over, but they didn't get it done. Now they need to win their last three, including going to West Virginia and coming home to play Kansas. And they're capable of that, but boy, they're going to have to be a lot better when they go down to Waco and McLean stadium, um, which is not named for the diehard guy, which is I'm kind of disappointed about, but anyhow, uh, when they go down there, they have to be so much better against Baylor than they were against Texas. And the good news is, let's be honest, Texas has the best players in the conference right now. uh, And, and maybe K-State can match Baylor a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, I, I give us an opportunity, but I mean, Baylor is playing really good football and Baylor has a really good football coach. So yeah. that's the one thing that, you know, that people kind of leave out. Baylor has a really good football coach and they're playing well. They had to figure some stuff out early, but they're playing good football right now. Um, I, I mean, it's going to be a tough game, but it's doable. It's absolutely doable. And you're right about matching up better with them because we all know Texas has the best players in the conference. It's just about them. It's between their ears at Texas. It, it just is. You know, they, they have the best players. It's between the ears. So K-State will definitely match up a little bit better. Uh, but but winning down there is uh, obviously it's not going to be easy, but it's definitely something that K-State can do absolutely I believe that it's a game that they can win. They're going to have to play well. All this pre-snap stuff is going to have to completely go away. All of it has to go away. we got to play a really good football game. But I think it's something that we can do. The conference is crazy. Uh, I've been saying it from the beginning. The conference is the best conference in the country, and I don't think anybody can tell me any different. You know, Um, And I'm not going to listen to anybody that's going to try to tell me any different. Uh, The one thing that I think that is going to happen within the conference, I just believe that TCU is going to lose a football game, uh, if not two. I don't know that TCU is going to beat Texas, and I don't know that they're going to beat Baylor because uh, I just don't know that. Um, Having said that, 
Um, we got to handle our business. That's the only thing that we can worry about. No, it's pretty remarkable when you stop and think about it. If they do lose to those two programs, after all of this, TCU may not end up in Arlington because Correct. Texas and Baylor uh, might work their way past them. Actually, I guess Texas and Baylor do have to play each other, don't they? So maybe yep. that would work out. So it's very intriguing to me. But as I sit here and stare at the Big 12 standings, it looks so strange. You got TCU, Texas, Baylor, K State at the top four spots. Then Kansas Jayhawks and the Oklahoma State Cowboys, because KU beat the tar out of Oklahoma State on Saturday, are tied in the middle of the conference for that that fifth place, sixth place spot. And then you have Oklahoma and Tech at two and four, Iowa State and West Virginia at one and five. Someone has to lose the games, but I got to admit, I'm a little surprised by who some of those someones are. This conference yeah. is eating itself this season. Yep, absolutely. It absolutely is. Um, I mean, Kansas, look, that's going to be a difficult game. I know that we like to pick on Kansas and, and we've pounded them into the dirt for years. But Kansas is a good football team, man. They got something else different going on down there. They just do. It's going to be a tough football game. You know, and going to West Virginia, I mean, when's that ever been easy? So, I mean, we got our work cut out for us starting this week, and this conference is just absolutely insane. It just is. It just is. Just when I thought, oh, you had it figured out, they go and they lose at home to Baylor. Now, again, they threw a, a thousand interceptions, but that's part of it. So, I just, man, the conference is good. Yep. Oklahoma might want to win at West Virginia this weekend. They still have to play Oklahoma State and go to Texas Tech. If they don't win one, they're not bowl eligible. Whew. It's it's absolutely incredible. Let's let's talk about Kansas. So uh, I know that it's easy for K Staters kind of poke fun at them that you know they're having this little window of success. They're now six and three. They are bowl eligible. They're three and three in the conference. But Brian, here's what I see when I see Kansas. It's not hard to get your team to win. I mean, it is hard, but it's not the hardest thing you accomplish as a coach. When you take over a program like Bill Snyder did in Manhattan or Lance Leipold has done in, in Lawrence, it's teaching your team how not to lose, how yes. not to screw it up in the end, how not to accept that you're not good enough to win the football game because really losing gets contagious. And that's not just a cliche. You find out it's easier to lose than win. It it just yep. is. And you get comfortable not being good enough to win. He's got them over that so quickly. It's alarming to me how quickly he reinvented it in Lawrence. And maybe a big part of it is a transfer portal where you can just get guys out of your locker room and bring new guys in that are more familiar with winning. But it's incredible what they've done. If they get Jingle and Daniels back, and as much as I think um, – being the backup is a good quarterback. Jalen Daniels is a different quarterback. He's yeah. the he's the Michael Bishop, the L. Roberson that makes the defense better because he's your quarterback. And yep. uh, he might come back this week. It might be next week, but he will be available to play in Manhattan. I'm 100 percent sure of it. And that's a scary proposition in itself. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a different quarterback. He's an outstanding quarterback. Uh, they just got some stuff going there, and it's just what you said, you know, getting them not to lose, which basically is believing that you're going to win. That's the hardest mm -hmm. part is just getting the guys to believe. But the one thing that I will say on the flip side of that is once you get them to believe, it's a whole different ball game. 
Once you get guys that believe in what you're doing, you have some success, and they believe that they can go out and do that against anybody, um, I mean, it is just, you'd be amazed at what kids can do, man. Just amazed with uh, with just their mindset. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if they've got something going, they just do. K-State fans got to start being honest about it. And again, I like picking at KU more than anybody because I believe it's funny the, how we just literally dominated them. But if we don't come with our A game when we play them, yep. it's going to be a problem. I mean, it just will. So uh, I applaud them for getting it going. Now, I'm not going to applaud them too much because that kind of goes against my my being. But having said that, I applaud them for what they've got going on, man, because they, they've got something going on there. Um, that that's successful. They've got those kids believing. They've got them playing good football. Um, you know, it, it's we always thought that KU could be better than what it was. I mean, we just thought they could be because you know they, it, it's Kansas. It's still Kansas, and I know we again we like to pick fun at them, but it's still Kansas. If they ever just put any effort into it, they could do something. And when Mangino was there, he made them put the effort into it. And then they just decided, uh, you know what? Uh, I don't know. We don't like him. We'll get rid of it. And their program has been in the toilet since then. And maybe they've just said, you know what? Just let's put a little effort into this thing and see what happens. And lo and behold, here we are. The Big 12 has six of its 10 members bowl eligible already with three weeks to play. That's pretty impressive. Uh, but that also shows the balance. A lot of teams outside of TCU are at six and three. They're, you know, they just made it over the, the cut there. Here's this week's schedule. Oklahoma goes to West Virginia. Iowa State goes to Oklahoma State. Man, I, the Cowboys are in trouble. They're, they better fix yeah. their quarterback situation because they're bad right now. K-State, yeah. as we know, goes to Baylor. Kansas goes to Tech. That's a challenge. And TCU and Texas meet in just a huge game. Um, this conference is amazing. It is so much fun yep. to cover this conference. I mean, it, it, there's good football. Even the the teams at the bottom of the standings aren't bad. They're just Correct. at the bottom of the standings. And they're entertaining to watch. Iowa State less so for the most part. But they're entertaining to watch and they can beat anyone on any day. If you don't bring your A game, um, you're going to lose a game. There's just there's absolutely no free passes in this conference. And I think it's the only Power Five conference that can say that. I see free passes all over the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, and Pac-12. The Pac-12, for the most part, if you ask me, is a pass. But um, it it is impressive and it's amazing to cover and watch it up close. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it just, it, it amazes me that people aren't saying the things that we're saying and maybe they don't pay close enough attention. Maybe it's, you know, the, the, the money teams, you know, quote unquote, aren't doing as well. So they don't want to talk about the conference. And I think that has a lot to do with it, to be honest with you. Um, but it's clear to anybody that wants to actually look and talk about football that the Big 12 Conference is the best football conference. Just because it doesn't have 12 or 14 teams in it doesn't mean anything because it's just what you said. I mean, we'll go down the conferences. The ACC is a joke. You, I mean, Clemson, we saw how good Clemson was. They just got manhandled by Notre Dame. Just manhandled. In the, I mean, in Wake Forest and NC State, they beat them. Wake Forest 
I mean, they've gotten whipped the last two weeks. I mean, it's just a terrible conference, just terrible. The SEC, look, I, I get it. Georgia is really good, and they are really good. And Tennessee, even though Georgia whipped them, Tennessee is really good. Alabama, they're clearly they're good, but I don't think they're great. And LSU is good and not great. You get past that. Don't talk to me about Ole Miss and all this stuff. There's just passes all over that conference, up and down. It's just literally a conference full of average and below average football. The same thing. The Big Ten's even worse because we saw how good Illinois, everybody's jumping up and down on their bandwagon. They just got beat by a team that had pretty much quit. Michigan State had given up on the season. Yep. They're kicking guys off the team left and right because they're wanting to fight, you know, in the tunnel at the game after they just got whipped. And lo and behold, they beat a team that's in first place in one of the divisions. So it, it, the Big 12 is just a great, great football conference. I've been saying it from the beginning, and I'll say it till the end. It's the best conference this year in college football. It, it really just is. is. It really is. Um, and it's, it doesn't get easier for K-State. they got to find a way to keep winning if they want to get to Arlington. They're still in the hunt. But, boy, they need to take control of things. They need to assert themselves right now like they did against Oklahoma State. Brian, do you think they can win out? Do you think they will win out? Next week will be the key. Right. Um, you know, I think we can handle West Virginia because their defense is terrible. I think we'll be able to move the football up and down the field. And I think we'll have enough defense. As long as we're healthy, I think we'll have enough defense to stop what they do because their offense is really well, really good. <laughs> I think we beat Kansas, although Kansas is way better. The game's going to be a lot closer than what people think, but their defense isn't good at all. Mm. Um, I know they, you know, the defense played a good game against Oklahoma State this week, but Oklahoma State literally doesn't have a quarterback at all. So uh, if, if Sanders is out, they have nothing behind them, and I think they've proven that. So um, in Kansas game, it'll be a tough game, but I think we win it. it the key is this week, and Baylor's really good. So – I think that we can win out. Um, I'll be the positive guy. And I, I'm not, I'll just be the realistic guy. I think we can win out. I think we will because I think the guys are going to be embarrassed about what happened this week. I'll be honest. I think they're going to be embarrassed and they're going to come out with a different fire against Baylor. And maybe it was a little bit of overconfidence. You know, we blew out Oklahoma State. Maybe it was some overconfidence, you know, after that. I don't know. But I think the guys are going to be embarrassed because even though the game was close and they fought to the end, I mean, was it really that close? I mean, I know what the scoreboard said, and I get that we fought, but, I mean, they, they whipped us. I mean, Texas physically whipped us. Let's just call it what it is. And I think the guys will be embarrassed. They'll go back to practice. They'll hit it hard. And I think we win. I think we win this week, and I think we can win out. No, that's very interesting. It is fascinating. Again, circling back, this is why I love football. If you look at the stats, it was an even matchup. It was so good. It was so competitive. If you watch a game, it wasn't. Texas was physically kicked K-State around at times, and yet um, at the end of the day, K-State had an opportunity to win because they found a way to hang around. They got to yep. find a way to win. But I tell you what, there's a big difference in my book between going 9-3 and three in the regular season and 8-4. and four. And, oh my and, goodness! And, it's nine day, and a, a million miles was seven and five, which is what happened to them last year. They went down to be eight and four at Texas and lost, and became seven and five. They've got to get over this hump. Going nine and three, yep. 
you probably won't end up in a New Year's Six Bowl, but you could if you make it to the Big 12 Championship, certainly if you win the Big 12 Championship, but you are going to be in a quality bowl game, maybe the Cheez-It Bowl down in Orlando and have an opportunity to win 10 games. That is a hard threshold to break. Bill Snyder spoiled K-Staters, absolutely spoiled us by making it look easy when it's anything but that. Winning double-digit games is a profound profound cliff to climb over. And once you do, um, I think it puts you in a different stat stratosphere than when you're, you know, consistently winning eight and nine games. So this is a yep. fascinating season for me. I, I, I'm hopeful that Chris Kleiman can get over the hump because he's such a wonderful guy. Um, and I think K-Staters are, are primed for football to take off again. And I, well, I feel like next year will be a little bit of a rebuild because they're going to replace a lot of guys, including Deuce and Felix and Cooper Beebe, that might all go to the NFL a year early. But I don't feel like they're going to be Iowa State. I don't feel like they're completely without weapons. And I think Will Howard kind of shows that to be true. Well, the one thing about it is, is we do outstanding job in the transfer portal, too. Right. And look, it, it, it just call it what it is. K-State is a program that is going to have to use the transfer portal to build our team each and every year. Yes, you want to recruit well. Yes, you want to continue to bring guys in, freshmen, sophomore, whatever. You, you want to continue to bring high school guys in. You have to do that to build a program. But with where we are, you know, and, and I mean geographically where we are, and how you have to recruit the transfer portal is it, it can be horrible, but it can also be great. And I'm not saying we're going to hit on it every year, but it's something that we have to look forward to and look to, to try to hit every year. And the more those guys start having success, the better off we'll be. Uh, but I think K-State is in a really, really good position fits to, to take off again. Kind of what you said. Right. I just believe we are. I believe we're in that position, but it starts with winning on the field. And it starts this week, and you're right. Nine wins is so much better than than eight. Ten wins, again, puts you on a different stratosphere. You know, you can win nine games every single season, but if you win ten games two out of five years, you're on a different level. Just people look at you differently. That's just the way it is. So I hope that the guys understand that and we can get there and – um, keep working hard again. Don't let this game beat you for the next game. I, I just think, I think we're going to be better. I think it was just a, it is what it is. They, they, they beat us. Okay, fine. They beat us. Let's go to next week and let's win against Baylor. He's Brian Hanley. He knows what he's talking about when he talks about making that breakthrough because he was part of the big breakthrough at Kansas State in 97 and 98 when Bill Snyder took the program to a whole new level. And maybe Chris Kleiman's program is poised to do that. But, boy, you can't lay an egg or a a turd like they did against Texas. Brian, I thank you very much. We will hook back up on Wednesday for Thursday's preview of Kansas State and Baylor. I'm I'm actually excited to watch Baylor film. I like the brand of football Dave Aranda's playing in Waco. I think it's a fun brand. It's a well-coached team. It gets back to this, man, I love this game. Yep. Absolutely. I love it. They're a good team. They got a good coach. Uh, I'm excited to watch, you know, what I can watch of them. Uh, but the bottom line is, is K-State, I think, can win it. I would agree with you. This has been the Powercat postgame podcast as we review the previous game from K-State, and we're 
Sponsored by Caddyshack Golf from the golf course to the tailgate. Show your purple pride all week long. Caddyshack Golf, where caddy with two T's. Visit caddyshackgolf.com. Use code GPC for free shipping. Brian, thank you. I will talk to you in, gosh, three days when we'll start this whole process <laughs> over. Much appreciated. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we will talk to you with the Powercat Questions podcast coming up before we do the pregame podcast for Baylor. That will drop on Tuesday or Wednesday at GoPowerCat.com. And boy, there's a basketball game Monday night at Bramlage Coliseum. Not an exhibition. Jerome Tang's Wildcats get things started Monday night at the Bram. Thank you for listening to the Powercat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Thank you.